What is happening, everybody? This is Bob Wankel. I am with Anthony Sanfilippo, and this is episode number 34. Number 34, Anthony, of Crossed Up. Does that number have any significance? That's so ironic. I believe that would be the number of one Bryce Harper, who signed a 13-year, $330 million contract with the Philadelphia Phillies on Thursday afternoon. I am stunned. Uh, I spent most of the last four months firmly believing that the Phillies were going to sign either Manny Machado or Bryce Harper, and then I kind of gave up hope like a lot of other people on Wednesday when reports started to surface that the Giants were in and that the uh, and that the Dodgers were in in earnest, and I thought to myself, they blew it. They over-negotiated this thing. He's going elsewhere, and this whole offseason in which they traded Sixto Sanchez went out and made some pretty aggressive moves to improve this team. It was all for naught. But here we were, in the middle of the afternoon, right around 3 p.m., Philly sign Harper, and here we go. Uh, what's your immediate reaction to this deal? I'm excited. I, th- I think you are, too. So what do you think? Yeah, um, it, it's, a, it's a very good deal uh, for the Phillies in the sense that they needed, they needed the superstar player. Um, they, were, they were trending toward an offseason or t- going into the season out of this offseason um, where they had made some nice moves, but they needed that one to top it. Right? They, needed the, they needed the cherry on top. Otherwise, this town was not going to be content. Even if they were a couple games better, a few games better with the likes of JT Romuto and Andrew McCutcheon um, and David Robertson in the bullpen, uh, Gene Segura, shortstop. Uh, even if they were a few games better, they needed this next step. And Bryce Harper will give you that. Uh, he's a career 900 OPS. The guy is a star player in this league. I, I think that the Phillies are going to be a legitimate contender for championship for the next five, six years, at least. The only, and I don't look at this as a, as a real negative, but I think that the only thing that you have to, you know, really kind of take into consideration is, is that down the road, this contract could come back to bite the Phillies a little bit just because of how they, how they deployed the money. I thought they might do some deferments. I thought that they might front load it, you know, and give them a le- you know, less in the back end. But the way that they s- structured this contract, it was they did it in a way to give themselves cost certainty over, you know, over a, a period of time, which is good. But at the same time, they're going to be paying Bryce Harper a lot of money after he turns 35 years okay, old. Okay, so let's let's hold that thought, and we'll get into that yeah. in a little bit. And I know that that's a concern of yours, and I think that but you're going to have a piece on Crossing Broad uh, this tomorrow, air Friday, yeah, and yeah. so it'll be today that when people read this. But uh, I definitely urge people to look at that because it's a very interesting viewpoint, and it's something that I think that we're all singing the praises of this deal right now, and we're all yeah. really excited, and understandably so. And you are too, but I, I think that what you have to say about the deal um, does make a little bit of sense so you know we'll, we'll get into that in a well, little I'm glad bit it makes later a little, i'm glad yeah, it makes no, a little bit of sense yeah, yeah no I, I i do think it's a valid concern but for the time being i think that in the immediate aftermath of this whole thing you kind of say to yourself phillies go out and they they get a guy for 25 million dollars per year over the next 13 years and since he became a major league baseball player in 2012 he's second in home runs amongst national league outfielders with 184 first and on base percentage 388 second in slugging percentage 512 second in ops plus 
139. I mean, he is a stud, and I think that we, in our last episode, we talked about some of the drawbacks of Bryce Harper as a player. Obviously, the negative 26 defensive run save a year ago was a little bit of a concern. Beyond last season, he's kind of been an up-and-down, slightly above-average, slightly below-average defensive outfielder. But the bat, it's a difference-maker. This lineup, the way it was constructed, needed a power-hitting left-handed bat. He is most certainly that. I think he has 40 home-run potential in this lineup. I think that there's a lot to be excited about here. Um, and, and really, I think it... And, you know, I I guess when I just look at the whole thing in totality, I go, it validates everything else that they did this offseason. Because signing Andrew McCutcheon and trading for JT Real Muto, you know, the the Segura deal, it it didn't make sense without Bryce Harper. Because to me, when you looked at this team, it was just an 84-85 middle-of-the-pack team. And why make those financial commitments? Why make those prospect sacrifices if you weren't going to go all in? Stupid money aside, pressure aside, it just didn't make sense in terms of truly having a cohesive plan and they they executed this move they had to do it and I credit them for going out and finalizing it I didn't know if they'd be able to close this deal and they did and and you know I got to be honest with you I really started to doubt it and I, I give them credit for doing it well there's a reason you started to doubt it because up until today they weren't in they they hadn't offered what Bryce Harper and Scott Boris wanted um and when you uh, you know go back and read the the breakdown of exactly what happened, I mean this kind of came to fruition Thursday morning. You know that's when it started to really come into play. And what happens is is that the Giants show up in Las Vegas on Tuesday and kind of surprised Harper and uh, and Boris with the long term deal, which I guess that they didn't think that either the Giants or the Dodgers were interested in a long term deal. Um, I don't know the specifics of it. I'm just going based off of reports that are out there. But it seems like the Giants offered somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 years, $300 million. 300, 310, somewhere in that neighborhood. Now, were there was there talk of well, you know, opt-outs in there? Was there talk of you know team options in there, deferred money? Who knows? Like, I mean, I, I don't have all those details. But if the, the, the notion that they went in there on Tuesday and said, we're going to come at you, Bryce, with a 12-year deal – really ramped it up for the Phillies because then the Phillies had to say all right that you know then Boris comes back to the Phillies and it's like all right it's time to time to time to make the make your final offer and if you don't come up from where you've been we're going somewhere else and the Phillies to their credit made the step that they had to make to get it done. Otherwise, I don't know if you read it. I mean, it's, it's pretty interesting. They said that this sort of all kind of came together very, very quickly Thursday yeah. morning to the point where Matt Clentak was in his condo outside of Clearwater Beach. You know, yeah. like he didn't even get to the complex to complete this deal. Yeah, so never this thing it. kind of, uh, it, it certainly came together very quickly. And, right. and seemingly out of nowhere. Because really, I, I do believe the fact that the Phillies... You know, the, the reports came out on Wednesday that they thought that they had kind of lost them, the, the chances were remote. I don't think that that was a smokescreen. I think that there was a genuine belief that this thing was trending away from them. Right, because that's what I'm telling you. Like, yeah. that, that's why the Giants, the, and it's more the Giants than the Dodgers. The, the Giants were willing to give Bryce the long-term contract he wanted. Yeah, to get to 10, yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And, and so, that's, so that's why 
the Phillies basically it was it was shit or get off the pot, man. I mean, that's really what it what was. What do you make of the fact that there is no opt out? Like, do you look at that and say, like, wow, like that shows that he really wanted that commitment from a team and that he was willing to make the same commitment back? And you know, does that do anything from for you as a, yeah, as a, a little Philadelphian? Do you go that bah. shows that he he loves us? He's bah. he's ready to be one of us. I, it shows me a little bit about the player's desire to to win. Um, it doesn't. It, it makes no difference to me that it's Philadelphia and he wants to be a Philly guy or anything along those lines. That none of that. I mean, I know that's going to play in this city and the crowd. The, you know, the town's going to go nuts over him because of it. But um, no, I. It surprised me a little bit because you know players usually are chasing contracts, right? I mean, this is there's no surprise yeah. to, to this. Um, this is just the way it is in professional sports. And you hear you have a 26 year old guy who's basically banking on himself for 13 years in one city, and you know nobody should feel sorry for Bryce Harper. He's going to make 330 million dollars. But the fact of the matter is, is that it, let's just say over the course of the next four years that he has MVP caliber seasons or close to MVP caliber seasons. If he had an opt out, he could certainly then rehit the market at 30, 31, and get even more money. Absolutely, especially when you consider the deal that J.D. Martinez signed with the Red Sox last year. You know, after the second year and third year of that deal, there are opt-out clauses. You have the Arenado deal that was just inked this week. Again, there's an opt-out in there. Yeah. Um, Manny Machado, an opt-out after five. I mean, and Scott Boris is like the king of the opt-outs. So for there yeah. not to be an opt-out clause in there, now granted there's a no-trade clause, but I – yeah, but those, those, yeah, those, those are don't always matter. negotiable. They don't matter right. necessarily six, seven years down the line. Context changes. Right. But, it, you know, it was very surprising to me that this contract was completely absent of an opt-out. And, you know, uh, you said that it was a, it shows his will to win. And maybe because, you know, you're talking about only $25 million a year in terms of annual average value, which leaves the Phillies with plenty of payroll flexibility, whether it be to, you know, re-up a guy like Aaron Nola down the line, Reese Hoskins, you know, players like that to add payroll through trade, through free agency signings, Mike Trout maybe, you know, and I'm not there yet and I really don't want to, you know, <laughs> spend too much time on that. But, yeah. you know, this does leave the Phillies with some, I guess, room to maneuver. And it, to me it's a legacy move because if he goes to San Francisco and spends the next 10 years out there, I do. I mean, I, I don't think you can oversell or overplay the idea that that ballpark just was not conducive to his offensive talents. I mean, now you put him in Citizens Bank Park for the better part of the next decade, and I I think that this is a move that cements him as a Hall of Famer. I think he's on that trajectory. I think that his talents will play well at Citizens Bank Park. They certainly have the first seven years of his career. And I think that this move, as much as it was about being comfortable with the Phillies and being on a stage in a, a sports-crazed city, on a team that has a chance to win with a lot of young talent and some really good parts right now, I think a lot of it was about Bryce Harper and his ability to kind of cement himself as one of the elite offensive players of this generation. Yeah, and you're not you're not wrong about that. And what I the, the what was the most interesting thing for me in that regard was it was what Harper wanted because it, I read the the comments that um, Boris told Joel Sherman, and Boris said. That's what I was instructed to do, to get a long-term deal with no and no and he didn't. Yeah, want that wasn't by accident. Like he right? very, very plainly made it clear, like, he, hey, this was my directive. Right, right, and 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 I think that he does that to kind of save face for himself because, you know, Boris is going to get 
you know, people might criticize him, you know, in the industry for saying, you know, well, you man, you had the biggest free agent in the offseason and he only got the 14th best annual average value on his contract. So by him saying, hey, look, we got the most ever, we got the longest and most money, and the reason the average annual value isn't what it is is because we had to give a little bit back, but that's what Bryce wanted. And I think that that's him saying that is important, is putting that out there so that in the future, if he's negotiating a deal, you know, he's not going to let this affect any future client's deal or whatever the case might be. But it, it says a lot about what Bryce Harper himself wanted. Um, so, yeah, like it's it, it means to me it's it, it's it says a lot about a lot more about him. You know, I always kind of thought that he was a little bit of a me first kind of player. We even talked about that on uh, one of our previous episodes. Um, But this does not speak – this does – signing this deal does not speak of me first. It just doesn't. This this is more of a, you know, I want to win with this organization and this team and and be the face of this franchise and help them win championships mentality. And and that I like and that I respect out of him. Now, before we get into the ramifications of what this actually means for the team and all, like – I have to say, it's been an interesting four months, and I had sent a tweet out after he signed, shortly after he signed, and I kind of said, like, I have been talking about the what-ifs of this situation for so long and writing about the rumors and the John Hammonds and the Bob Nightingales. I said, like, this has almost become part of me. Like, I don't know how to... I don't know how to function and proceed in the aftermath of this. <laughs> like, it's just like it, I spent so much time. I think I went back and counted. I think we did. I personally did 47 posts that had the words Manny Machado or Bryce Harper in it since since October. I mean, it has been such a focus of ours. And now you kind of have to reset yourself and look at the entire picture. But before we even really get into what that picture looks like, I kind of just, I think when you have a a moment like this that you had today where it just comes out of nowhere, you know, it was almost like we had accepted the fact that this probably wasn't going to happen and that we were going to go into this season without Bryce Harper. Now you look at it and you go, oh my God, they went out and they got Segura, all-star. They got Real Muto, all-star. They get Bryce Harper, all-star. And I think it was Jeff Passan who said that, or was it Passan or Passan? I think he had said basically, like, this is the first time in the history of Major League Baseball that a team added three all-stars from the previous year in the course of one winter. And I mean, that's that's a historic offseason. You know, Matt Klintak had said that they had had, you know, an objectively excellent offseason. I think that that you can now say that. Where were you when this news broke? Because, like, I'll I'll probably remember this for the next 30 years. Like, I'll probably remember the fact that I had just pulled into a Wawa in South Jersey. The news broke. Uh, and I, I pulled into the parking space, and I said, oh, my God. And uh, I had to get a post up. And a funny thing about that was I went to Clearwater last week. I was in Clearwater uh, over the weekend. And I actually wrote a post. The Phillies are going to sign Bryce Harper. And I wrote the post because it was my bachelor party, and I was on the plane, and I said, I'm not doing any work once I get down to Clearwater. <laughs> I'm getting married in June. I had the bachelor party. I said, I'm not getting the laptop out during you know, during my bachelor party, so let me write this just in case he signs. And I wrote it out, and I kind of did it in like a template form, and I knew that I could just fill in a couple blanks if the deal broke. We were down there, and we were talking to people. Like, we were in Clearwater Beach, you know, right outside of where Matt Klintak's staying. And the guy at the bar said, you know, we had Phillies front office guys in here on Friday night. This was on, uh, or I'm sorry, on Thursday night. This was Friday morning. And the guy said, you know, they believe they're going to sign them. They think they could do it this weekend. 
And I'm like, nah, get the hell out of here. And then I talked to another guy at a bar right next door. He said, group of guys was just going right down the strip in the last couple of nights, and they're talking like this is going to happen. And I started to think, like, maybe, maybe this is legitimately going to happen. I, I felt like it was going to happen. And, you know, it didn't, it didn't materialize. Obviously, Middleton flies out there over the weekend. It looks like he's trying to seal the deal. He goes out there with his wife. Apparently, they went to dinner. You know, that's the story now. I thought it might happen this weekend. It didn't. And then I kind of gave up hope. And then, then here we are. So I pull into the Wawa. I'm at, at, in the parking lot of the Wawa. I make a couple changes to the story that I wrote on the plane back last Thursday. And we posted the bad boy. And, like, so, you know, I know that that's not um, – it's kind of funny. Like I know people do that all the time. Like they they dummy in their stories because they think something might happen. But that's exactly what we did, and uh, it worked out because then I had to go up to Doylestown and do a couple podcasts with Kyle. So it's just a weird day. Like it was a very very strange day. It kind of came out of nowhere. I thought this day was going to happen, but as soon as I gave up hope that it wasn't going to happen, it did. Well, you can thank me. <laughs> I'm because because I am the all time greatest mush. Um. I'm literally sitting at my computer doing work during the day, and uh, I got the Phillies on in the background, and Cesar Hernandez gets hurt, right? And then I know I saw there's you a put there's, in Slack, there's so, a yeah, report there's a report that says like, this grade, team's a disaster grade one grade <laughs> one hip flexor strain, and I'm like. Man, can things get any worse for the yeah. Phillies right now? And literally, I so I go into our little Slack chat and I put a little, and I know it's you know we're not supposed to talk about what we write, what happens in Slack chat stays in Slack chat, but I put a little thing in there, basically saying, does anyone else feel like me, like that this Philly season can crumble really quickly now with the you know the injuries he had? I guess I had Tommy Hunter get hurt, and Odubel Herrera's hurt, and Roman Quinn's hurt, and Cesar Hernandez is hurt. And now you know, everybody's thinking that they're out of out of the Bryce Harper chase. Literally was like minutes later. <laughs> The announcement comes. Yeah, we oh, appreciate we, that. We, we very Harper. much appreciated that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, so that will probably be the thing that I remember about when you say you'll remember pulling into the Wawa parking lot. I'll probably remember that I just basically told all you guys that the Phillies are, are you know, their season is falling apart in front of us in, on February 28th. <laughs> well, I appreciated the fact that he didn't sign to, to, uh, until today, and I'll tell you why. Because when we were down in Clearwater, I was down there with 14 guys, and one of the guys says we're at the bar, and he goes – if the Phillies sign, and this was on Friday, uh, Friday afternoon, he goes, if the Phillies sign Bryce Harper before midnight Saturday, you've got to get a Bryce Harper tattoo. And I go, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I go, no, I'm not doing that. And they're like, dude, they're like, for the story alone, you got to do it. And I'm like, no, nah. I'm like, my fiance is not going to go for that. She would literally kill me. Like that would, the wedding wouldn't even happen. And they go, no, nah, like, and the, her brother was down there and all that. And and I go, it's just not going to happen. And they're like, no, you got to do it. And then I, like, I kind of looked over at him, and he goes, I mean, if you got to do it, you got to do it, you know? And I said, uh, this is no good. And then that was actually before the whole Middleton plane thing happened. And when that was going down, I said, oh, my God, I'm going to have a tattoo of Bryce Harper on my ass. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and uh, you know, I'm all, I'm all for that if you win the championship, but not right. just because you signed. But uh, yeah, so no, I actually very much appreciated the fact that this deal took a couple more days to come to fruition because uh, I I wasn't really interested in that if I'm being completely honest with you. Yeah, and, uh, and we also we also <laughs> won our own bets. Yeah, on the last on the last podcast, yeah, we said asked, that it would be for uh, before. Would you say before end of February or yeah. what will happen in March? And we yeah. both said February. <laughs> Yeah, I was glad that we didn't have to drag this out a couple more weeks. Um, it, it's just—it was just a really weird process. The entire thing was just, yeah, 
you know, it's almost like a relief that it's over, but now we kind of have to look at everything else. We have to look at the pitching staff. We have to look at the fact that there are four major injuries at this point. Now, I don't know how many of these injuries will affect the team come March 28th, during the opener, once they, they uh, get into this thing, but I mean, the, the Hernandez injury three of them certainly seem like, seem like they will. Yeah, I think the Hernandez injury is a, a definite concern, and I think that the Tommy Hunter injury is a definite concern as well. I'm, and, I'm not and, quite as concerned about Herrera. Um, no, but Roman Quinn, but Roman I think, Quinn. might be. And, and you're almost at the point where when guys get hurt, like Roman Quinn, you go, look, this guy just can't stay healthy, and you kind of you throw it in his face, but you, you almost just sort of feel bad for the guy. I mean, I don't think it's like he's not taking care of himself. It just seems to be one one incident of bad luck after another with him. Um, and, and he's a guy that I like, and he's a guy that I think that can really contribute to this team. So, you know, the Harper signing is great, and I'm super excited about it. The uh, line moved from 86 wins to 89 and a half wins at the legal sports books today for the Phillies. You know, I'm bullish on that. I feel like that this team can win the East. I, I think that they should be the favorite to win the East as good as it is, and we can talk a little bit about their competition in a little bit. But, you know, there are concerns here now, uh, and we kind of have to turn the page and, and look at what they are once Bryce Harper gets into camp here and, and what they're going to be once we, we get going for real. Well, the Hernandez injury, while I think it will be a little bit more longer term because a grade one strain or sprain of the hip flexor or hip flexors, you ever had a hip flexor? They're painful. I, I haven't yet. Yeah, they're, they're like painful. All that stuff's coming, but. Yeah, I had one. Um, and I wasn't even that old. I was, it was in my 30s. Right? I, so I by, had by the way, Anthony, real quick, let me just yeah. ask you. When yeah. the Bryce Harper contract expires, you will be how old? I will be 58 when, he, when the Bryce <laughs> yeah. Harper contract yeah, expires. That, that's the thing, right? Like, I yeah. know that's a sports talk radio thing. A lot of guys were doing that today. But, I mean, like, I'm going to be 46 years old when this guy's done. <laughs> yeah, I know. Crazy. It's crazy. It's, you'll be older than me. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. When it's over. Um, but uh, so these hip, the, a hip flexor um, is, is a painful injury, and it takes a while to come back from it. Um, so I, but it doesn't concern me as much because I, you know, Kingery's just going to. They have at least a guy who you could plug into that role, who you could sit there and say, okay, well, they were going to use him as a super utility, but at least last year he was an everyday player. They kind of think down the road he's going to be an everyday player. So do you believe in him? Why not? Who Kingery? Yeah. Well, I mean, I still do. I mean, I still do a little bit. I mean, last year kind of took some of the bloom off the rose, but I, I still think that it's there. I still think it, it, it you know, he could be. I mean, I don't necessarily think he's going to necess- be, you know, the next Dustin Pedroia as as they were, you know, claiming he was going to be about a year ago at this time. Um, but at, but at the same time, I don't think he's a bust either. Yeah, I, I think that when we talked about him a year ago uh, on this show, I always I always tried to take a really measured approach with him because he was just so. He was god-awful. I mean, he was tough to yeah. watch. He wasn't a Major League Baseball player last year. He shouldn't have been up at that point, you know, once it became clear that he was so overmatched. But I didn't want to bury him, and I, I didn't want to kind of come across as takey because I really believe that he has the makeup and the tools to be a, a very good Major League Baseball player. And I don't know what he's going to be this year. I'm not telling you that he's going to hit 300 and become the player that everybody thought he was last spring training, but I, I just would be stunned. I really would be, and and maybe this is just foolish, but I just think that when you have the consistency and the productivity that he had both in college and in, as he rose through the minor leagues, I just refuse to believe that this guy's a 220 hitter right. with no pop, that, that can't get on base, that can't make things happen. I just think that he 
is destined to be a really solid Major League Baseball player. Um, do I need him to be our, you know, an everyday outfielder at the start of the season? No, I, I guess I probably would rather not see that. Or, you know, the everyday second baseman, if, if it's Hernandez that's going to be out for a prolonged period. Um, I, I, I don't know, but I, I do think that there's a place for him, and I, I do think he's going to be, you know, I, I think he's going to be pretty good this year. Well, let me, let me ask you this, because uh, this is a guy that, you know, just signed elsewhere who has a little bit of that versatility to him. Um, maybe had you know one year a couple years ago that was you know beyond what you would expect from him, but otherwise is the rest of his career has been kind of you know just okay. Would w- would you be okay if he's Marwin Gonzalez? I think that that would be great. You know, considering what Marwin Gonzalez has done in in recent years, you, you know, you, like I said, he had the one real. It's 2017. He was off the charts, right? He hit yeah. 303, 377 on base, 23 home runs. I mean, that was a that was a career year for him. But uh, you know, his his career statistics. He is a lifetime 264 hitter, gets on base 318, uh, and 737 OPS. If that if that's Scott Kingery over the re- rest of his career, are you happy? Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I mean, you look at it, and you go like in 2016, 694 OPS. Like that's not good enough. But the two years prior to that, he was he was well into the 700s. If Scott Kingery can hover around like you know a 750 OPS for his career. I- I'm going to be okay with that. Like, would I like him to be Dustin Pedroia? Yeah. <laughs> Do I want him to be a, a multiple time All Star? Absolutely. I I guess maybe that's just not going to be. I don't know that that's feasible, but I do think that if, if he can give you similar type of output, then you can't be overly upset about that. I think that there's a, certainly a place for that type of player on this team. Yeah, and so so with that said, I mean, like that's kind of where I am with him right now. Like I, I kind of think that's where he's trending toward, and I don't think that's a bit necessarily a bad thing. So let's talk a little bit about the lineup. I mean, everyone's kind of got their lineup. They, they all have their suggestions, and, and I don't want to necessarily have a prolonged argument about this, but no. let me just kind of give you what I'm thinking here. I, yeah. I like balance. I think that you like balance, too. Yep. I don't want to you know, I don't want to stack one way or the other. And So let's just presume that everybody's healthy and that, that this is a full go. I, I look at it, and I say, okay, well, let's start with Cesar Hernandez. Now, I think there's a couple different things you can do with him. You can either hit him at the top, and you can hope that the injury that he had to his ankle at the you know in the second half of last season was the reason that he was so bad uh, over the last couple months. But you know, I think that if you go back to 2017, if you can get that Cesar Hernandez, you hit him at the top of the lineup. If not, you, you hit him eighth or ninth, maybe. Um, but then I come back with uh, Segura hitting second. I, I go uh, Reese Hoskins third. I, I put Harper after him. Uh, I go with Real Muto after that. So I go, you know, Hoskins, Harper, Real Muto, three, four, five after the table setters. <clears throat> Back him with McCutcheon. And then I go Herrera Franco, seven, eight. And, you know, no matter what way you do it, you can do it however you want to do it. But I think that Herrera and Franco are going to be guys that you end up hitting towards the bottom of your order. And it becomes really intriguing because if you think back to last year, Herrera was an MVP caliber player the first two months of the season. Mm-hmm. And now you have him hitting in your seven hole. Like, there's significant upside that late in the order for a guy like Odubel Herrera. And then Mike Alfranco, say what you will about him, he has been a little bit underwhelming. I think that there, a lot of us thought that he might be 
you know, a 280, 300 hitter, a guy that hits 35 homers. That hasn't materialized at this point. But we've seen, especially last year, we saw flashes of the guy that we thought we were going to get, and he did it for a prolonged period of time. So if I have Mike Franco hitting 7th or 8th in this lineup, that's a pretty damn good lineup. I don't disagree, um, and I prefer the balance uh, to the lineup, you know, alternating right, left if you can, which is I see what you did, going Hoskins three and Harper four. Um, I, I almost want to have, I almost want to do it the other way around if I could, and I and I don't, I I would be fine with it the way you said it. I really would, but I almost would like to get Harper into the three hole. Okay, um, just because I like a, I like the left handed run producer before would you right do that with producer. Segura in the two or would you have well, Hoskins th- hit second because well, we all know that Gabe Kapler likes the whole you know yeah, best hitter hits second thing yeah. I know I, I don't necessarily know if I would put Hoskins too because now now you're clogging the base paths a little bit right like to me I, I'm the, I would I would almost well I would almost lead off Segura okay um and not to say that I would bat Hernandez second although that's not a ridiculous notion either um but I, I almost would try. Look, if he's, uh, it depends on his health, right? And you know, but I, I almost would go back to Herrera at the top of the lineup. Okay. And, and so I would go, I would go Segura, or, uh, or even you know, I would, I would go Segura leading off just because he's, he's such a, he gets two hundred hits. I mean, isn't it amazing though? You're talking about Segura, uh, Hernandez, Herrera. Um, you know, if Roman Quinn is in the lineup, he could theoretically hit leadoff. I mean, yeah. You have like three or four legitimate options that you could hit at leadoff this season. Mm-hmm. And really, when you look at the lineup, and I'm sure that you've had this thought as well, but it felt like last year that Gabe Kapler did a lot of goofy things with his lineup, and he took a lot of shit for it. But I feel like he did a lot of goofy things with his lineup because he just simply didn't have the the pieces to put together a productive lineup. So I hope, he, I hope he, you're right. He tried a lot of goofy things. I almost feel like no matter what he did a year ago, there was a, a, it was a no-win situation. He just simply didn't have enough. Now, I look at it this year, and, and this, may, this, this idea or this take may come back to bite me in the ass, but I look at it and almost go, he can't lose. Like, there's just so many different options and so many different formulas that you could put together where you have really good quality hitters you know, I, I just feel like it's the complete opposite of a year ago, where it go, where you almost say, even if it's not the perfect lineup, or even if it's not the lineup that you agree with, it should still be a damn good lineup. Yeah, but at the same time, I, I think that you have such a, a, a resourceful lineup that you should just go with what you got. Whatever your lineup is, and yes, I know there's going to be days when guys get a, have to get a rest. You know, you got to move guys around a little bit. Look, it happens. I'm not sitting there saying it has to be the same lineup 162 games, right? But at the same time, let's let's not overthink it. You know what I'm saying? Right, Don't right. just put the guys out there. Let them get into the groove. You know who you're batting behind. If you have Harper behind Hoskins, you know Hoskins is going to get a lot more pitches to hit because they don't want the pitchers don't want to face Harper. Or maybe you flip them against the lefty. You bat Harper in front of Hoskins so that Harper gets pitches to hit uh, against a lefty because they know, oh geez, we don't want to have Hoskins come up against a left-hander. He kills lefties, right? So, so that's the thing. I mean, so maybe that's the only thing when you go left-right. Maybe you, you you adjust it a little bit. But I don't want. I, I really don't want 150 different lineups next year. I just don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. Harper, to me, is a prototypical three-hitter. 
It's where, in my mind, it's where he belongs. Yeah, I, I understand that. And, and, no, and, I, I just play some four just to break up the two guys. And, and I got you know, it. Yeah, I got it. Now, so if you're gonna if you're gonna bat Segura second, or you could, or you're gonna bat Hernandez second, then you're fine keeping Harper at three. If you bat Herrera second, then you're right. Then you should go Hoskins three, Herrera four. I mean, uh, Hoskins three, Harper four. Um, so. Just to kind of split it up. Uh, although I'll tell you, I wouldn't be opposed to putting Real Muto in the two hole either. I could see that. Uh, I, I think that there's he's, a possibility of that. He's as a well. good. He's a good base runner. Yeah. Right. And so, to, I've always been a believer that your you first two guys in the lineup should be able to run. They don't have to be base stealers, but they should be able to be base runners. And and that's why I don't understand putting Hoskins there last year. That never made sense to me because yeah, he'd get on, and then you needed two hits to score him, you know, or three hits to score him sometimes. Um, whereas you know, you have somebody who can run the bases a little bit. They they can score on a, on you know go first to third on a single, score on a double from first, that kind of thing. Um, so that's what I that's. But yeah, you're right, and and you, there are options. But I don't want to see him tinker too much. Whatever he whatever he goes with, stick with it. That's what I want to see from from Kapler. You're right; he has options, but I don't want you see want to see him playing around with it. Just leave well enough alone, man. Let so, these guys so I know hit. that in the outfield, the injury situation has kind of changed things a little bit because you don't know where Roman Quinn's going to be at here. And I guess you'd really, uh, though, we're not overly concerned about Herrera. You know, hamstring strain early on in camp. You just don't know what that's, that's going to mean moving forward as you get into the regular season. But this Bryce Harper signing, we talked about this in our last episode, there, there's a trickle-down effect here. Like, there's going to be dominoes to fall. And, and maybe they don't fall by opening day, but throughout the course of the season, something's got to give. I mean, if you look at where they're at right now, you have Aaron Altair. You have Nick Williams, who's who's had a pretty good start to the spring. You have Roman Quinn. You now have Bryce Harper. You have Andrew McCutcheon. You have Odubel Herrera. That's six outfielders right there. And then, oh, by the way, and I will tell you, um, a guy like Dylan Cousins, like he, over the last two years, the, the strikeouts have just been horrendous to the point where you went, this is an intriguing power bat that, that might be a platoon-type guy for you to a guy that got some time a year ago and he looked completely overmatched for the most part. He comes out this year, and, and I watched him down in Clearwater on Saturday, and he had a couple impressive at-bats, and I said, damn, like he looks pretty good. He comes out today, and he was 2-for-2 two two again, uh, and he had two walks as well. Hit another home run. He's hitting 857 right now with a 2.909 OPS. Mm-hmm. Now, we're in the first week of spring training. <laughs> Those numbers are certainly going to come down, uh, and, and significantly so, but he looks good as well. Now, you're talking about... If, if you have or you believe in Dylan Cousins' upside just a little bit as a bench piece, you're talking about seven guys who are potential major leaguers or seven guys that will probably log major league innings this season. Something's got to give. You can't carry all of them, and certainly you can put you know, a guy like Cousins down in AAA, but I, I feel like that the Phillies are going to make a move with one or maybe even two of these outfielders as we – you know, either get through spring training and team has a need, or if they hold on to them as we progress into the regular season, I, I just can't see 
all seven of these guys being in this organization when we get into July of, of the regular season. Yeah, now I, I, it's going to be interesting to see what they do, and I think that whatever moves that they make will be late in spring training. I don't think you're going to see anything here in the next week or two. I think it'll they'll wait till right before the season starts, uh, just in case there are injuries or just in case kind of stuff, right? I, but I think as you get to that final week of spring training, right before the season starts, I think you might see you know somebody get moved, somebody get traded. Um, so you could send Cousins back down if you need to. Yeah, believe it or not, Nick Williams has an option left. Yeah, um, I just that I that's a situation I where I just I don't know. Can you do that to him? You know, I I feel like though he hasn't set the world on fire. I mean, he's a he's a, like a very very solid major league baseball player. I just yeah. can't see a scenario in which you send him down. Yeah, no, I'm, I agree. Um, thing of it is, is that they, you know, you, you if her, let's assume Herrera doesn't come back just for a second to start the season, opening day. I mean, that's it's only a month away. It's a month from today. Um, let's just assume that he's not ready to go in four weeks. Who's your center fielder on opening day? If you had to do it, if, if Herrera and, uh, and Quinn, and are, Quinn not are both not there, I guess it's Andrew McCutcheon. Right? It's, it's Andrew McCutcheon before it's Bryce Harper. Yeah, you know, so I know they, he played sixty some games out in center field for the Nationals last year, but you know, I don't think the Phillies want to reprise that role. No, so so do you go? So would you go Williams, McCutcheon, and Harper, left, right, left, center, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would. I mean, I, I'm not up on Aaron Altair. Like, I if the, he's the better defensive. Yeah, outfielder. if your bench, if if Aaron Altair is on your bench, I I don't mind it. I'm not like anti Aaron Altair. I, I certainly think he was better or he is better than he played a season ago. I think that just, that just kind of almost got out of hand on him, like sort of like it did with Kingery, where you're just like, I, I think you fall behind in a hole early and you just press yeah. so hard and you just keep falling deeper and deeper where you just kind of need to wipe the slate clean. But I, I, I don't know. I mean, that it's a tough situation. I'm not starting Aaron Altair in center field. You know, I know defensively you can handle it, but no, that's not what I want to do. So, yeah, I mean, the injuries have, have definitely thrown a little bit of a wrinkle into this. You know, and a guy like Cousins, I, I think, you know, I got his numbers up from last season at the major league level, and the strikeouts were horrendous in the minor leagues as well. But 38 at-bats, he struck out 24 times last year. He only hit 158, and he only had one homer in 26 games. But I just look at the potential of him and the, and the power potential, and that's a guy that, like, in a, in a perfect world – He's in your organization, and if you need that power bat off the bench, like he's a good option. I don't think, given where the Phillies are at now, especially with the addition of Bryce Harper, that he's necessarily going to be in their plans. But he does, I guess what I'm trying to say is he does have, I think, the ability with a huge spring. And, I mean, he's got to have a really good spring. He could possibly make himself a factor by the end of March. Yeah. But I mean it we're we're a long way away from that still. So the Phillies have played what five games so far? Well, six. One yeah, there was six, split squad. Yeah. Split squad yeah. today, right? Yeah. But some, mm-hmm. but five different days they've they've had games. Do, do you read anything into the guys who've played in every game? 
No. I mean, I don't know what your theory is on this, but no, I think at this point in the spring you, you want to get a look at certain guys, I guess, and you, you give them a little bit of extended time and you're easing others right. into it. But That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. in, other words, in other words, you know Reese Hoskins is going to get every other game off at the beginning, of the, at the beginning right? And right. You, know, you, know, you know McCutcheon's going to get every other game off. You know, the guys who are going to real Muto is going to get every other game off. You, you know those guys are going to – they're going to get their at-bats, but more likely later in spring. And so they're, this giving, is a, uh, they're giving Shane Robinson a lot of the bats. I, that's was gonna, I was is that bring, where you're going? I was I was going there, and yeah, I was going okay. Austin Romine as well. Yeah, they're uh, giving Shane not, Robinson a ton of at bats right another now. Another guy who's had a lot of major league experience, and if you're looking for bats on the bench, and so you're talking Cousins and Robinson and Romine are three guys who have played in all five games and have gotten a lot of at bats, mm-hmm. not coming out of the games or playing you know playing most of the game. Um, and it's just it's curious to me. Like I, I'm sitting there saying to myself, okay. You know, is Cousins and Robinson battling for that last spot on the bench? And is Romine just kind of the guy that's going to be getting a lot of a pass because they were thinking of maybe him as another utility guy, but now, oh, crap, Cesar might miss some time. He would be the other guy who can play second, short, third. Yeah. Besides yeah, Kimberly. I think that that's uh- – Right, certainly part of what they're doing here. It's like a vetting yeah. process early on. Yeah, I mean, you know, Lane Adams has gotten nine at bats so far as it, well. It's just tough. I mean, you know, yeah. we're we're recording this on the night of February twenty eighth, right? Yeah. Like we're not even into March yet. So much can happen. Yeah. Um, but you know, you do. I, after a week, you start to kind of take a look and say, like, hey, who's gotten off to a nice start? Who's opening up some eyes here? Like, and you do have to take a little bit of stock in this. Like, you have to. You survey what you've seen so far, and you have to say, okay, like there's there's certainly a strategy to this. Like you're not just shooting darts at the lineup board, you know. Like they are playing these guys for a reason. So yeah, I think I think that there's, you know, I don't want to, I just don't want to overreact to any single performances at this point. But yeah, I, I do think that they are looking at these guys for that reason. Yeah, and I, I think that that's certainly something that's happening. And I, I wanted to bring that up because you talked about Cousins, and I and I think that I think he has a chance to be on this roster. Ahead of Altair um, as the fifth outfielder. I really do. I want to eventually, I mean, because we've spent so much time talking about the offense, and I I don't necessarily want to do this tonight, uh, but I think that what we will need to do soon is look at the starting pitching. Because I think that now the question is, okay, so you sign Bryce Harper. Is that just, is that one move? Is that, obviously it's the move, but are there going to be, moves to follow are they going to go out and get into the the Craig Kimbrell market are they going to get into the Dallas Keuchel market I have to tell you if Craig Kimbrell was there and he was on a shorter term deal I would absolutely look at that Um, right I I don't want to go four or five years with him I certainly don't want to go uh you know 10 you know 15 million dollars a year with him you know over four or five years but if I could get a guy of his caliber and add him to the bullpen mix at I don't know two years 20 25 million dollars if that's just what the market's going to be and he says hey I like the Phillies I like what they've done they've got a chance to win I guess I'll go there Mm -hmm. I'm all for that if he falls into your lap now a guy like Keuchel though and I know that that the Phillies and Boris relationship is just just fantastic right now uh but i gotta say like i'm out i don't want him i i don't trust him i think the slider evaporated last season um his out of zone uh, contact is way up the swings and misses are way down 
Uh, I have extreme concerns about Dallas Keuchel. I just I don't know where you're at on him. I don't think we've talked about him a whole lot now that we've finally, I think because our focus was so heavily placed upon Bryce Harper, but I, I don't really see the use in Dallas Keuchel as much as this team needs a left-handed arm in the rotation. No, I again, I, I think that, I mean, no, there's been talk that they said that the Phillies are not interested in either guy unless it's a short-term deal. Um, look, would I be opposed if, if all of a sudden you signed – Dallas Keuchel to like a two-year contract. Yeah, two years, something uh, in the twenties. Like I'm not going to hate that, right? But if, you get into four or five years. Oh my no, god. No, I, he's to me, he's no better than a good number four. I I think. Yeah. I, on this team, I I don't think he's as good as Nola, Pavetta, Arietta. He might not even be as good as Velasquez, to be honest with you. Um, and I can't believe I'm saying that, but um, <laughs> I'm just excited to do another year of breaking down Vince Velasquez starts. If we record on the same schedule as we did a year ago, which was usually on Monday nights, I hope that Vince Velasquez just pitches like every Monday game that they play, so we can just you know, so we can do that. So we can do that, right? What did you no, think so about? What did you think of Jake Arrieta? Did you see his Instagram? I loved it. I thought it was hysterical. Yeah, it was absolutely. Hysterical. I like that weird shit. Like yeah. I'm into that. I actually, I think that like Harper and and. Uh, you know, Gabe. Uh, I think that they're they're gonna. I think they're gonna get along. I think they're gonna be really, really weird together. But like, I think that they're gonna provide a lot of that like weird content for for yeah. me, and I'm excited about that. And then I saw Arietta in his like little little underwear dancing around with the broom, and I just said, "This this is my kind of team. This is my kind of team." <laughs> I hope so. Uh, yeah. I, I hope so. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Like for example, you know, if you don't want to, if, if there's, if you want to go out and get another starter, if you want to take a take a flyer on somebody, do you sign somebody to a one year deal like Gio Gonzalez? No, no. You know why? Because like I look at this and I go, okay, so you have Nola and you have Arietta. And so that leaves you with three spots. And I like Pavetta, and I'll take the upside of Pavetta all day over Gio yeah. Gonzalez. I don't care if Gio Gonzalez throws with both hands. I I still – and then I go down the line and I go, do I want Vince Velasquez on the mound or do I want Gio Gonzalez? And, like, as much as, as you and I, I think, are both – we often get infuriated by, by Vince Velasquez, I still think I'd rather go with him. And I'd rather go with a guy like Eflin if I had to. You know, okay. like – I just don't. Just, I, I I'm just, just saying because he's. I'm just saying because he's a left-hander. Like the Phillies have a lot of faith in in this starting rotation, and it may be misguided, but like I'm kind of with them. I think I I think I view their rotation the same way that they do. If they could make a a market improvement, then go ahead and do it. And I guess Keuchel would be worth a shot on a, a shorter term deal, though I have I have concerns about him. I just don't think the value of a guy like Gio Gonzalez as like a placeholder is worth figuring out. It's it, I don't think it's worth passing on trying to figure out what Vince Velasquez is, what Nick Pavetta is, what Zach Eflin is. Like I just don't think it's worth it. I'd rather just I'd rather deal with the volatility of those starters. Okay. No, that's that's kind of where I'm at. It's fair. I just think they need a. I think they need a left. Now, a guy like rotation. Jay Happ, like would Jay Happ look good well, in this rotation? Well, yeah, yeah he would have. He would have. He would have absolutely. He most certainly would have. Um, so that's that's the that's the only thing for me. Um, I, like I really wish they would get a lefty. 
So I, who knows? Maybe there's a lefty that's available in trade and we don't even realize. Yeah, that. and I mean, it, something could shake loose here in March. Certainly once you get into the season, if the Phillies are showing themselves to be this this offensive force that we project them to be and, and they look like they they have a chance to reach the postseason, then I think that this is something that you reassess at the trade deadline and you go out and you get that lefty. Um, there, there are a couple things that I, I just kind of want to talk about before we get out of here, and I guess we can sort of merge all of these topics together. You know, there's a lot of excitement about what has happened here. Uh, I think that there's a lot of reasons to feel good about what has happened with this team. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, I mean, the the Braves won 90 games last year. They're young. They're good. Ozzie Albies, good player. Ronald Acuna, good player. Freddie Freeman, probably one of the most underrated players in all of baseball. The Atlanta Braves are young. They are talented, and they have a lot of young pitching coming. Yeah, this is a team that you you know this this team's going to be really good for the next handful of years. And they also have payroll flexibility. So, I mean, this is a situation where they can go out and add, you know, at the deadline as well. They're going to be in position to do that. So they're a threat. The Washington Nationals, you know, we've talked about this. They go out and get Patrick Corbin, throw him together with Scherzer, put him with Strasburg. Those are three very good starting pitchers at the top of that rotation. Plus, oh, by the way, guys like Rendon are still great hitters. Soto is an up-and-coming hitter that's that's going to be fantastic. So the Nationals, to me, are I think maybe as good as the Phillies are at this point. Yeah, no, it's a three it's a three horse race. You know, and the mind. Mets like they're make, trying to make themselves relevant, stay stay. They'll be okay. Quasi relevant, they'll be all right. You know, yeah. and I mean with that rotation at the top, they're going to be decent. They'll they'll push five hundred if if all breaks right. I think. So when you look at this division. It, it's still going to be really difficult. And the reason why I mention that is because now the Phillies go out and they made all the moves. They add the three All-Stars. They add Robertson. And to me, now, last year you kind of – I always looked at Gabe Kapler and I was sort of – I sympathized with him. I said he just doesn't have that much. It's almost amazing that this team was in first place for as long as they were, that they were in the hunt for as long as they were because that team – it sucked. It, it did not have that much talent. Yeah, you're right. And – now I look at it and I go, this lineup is stacked. If they get a repeat performance from the starting rotation this season, this is a team that should win. There's going to be a ton of pressure on Gabe Kapler to win. Now it's not just about analytics and being weird and doing things differently. People are going to look at this team and say, you went out and spent over $400 million this offseason to add to a team that won 80 games a season ago. You need to win now. And we talked about this earlier on in the offseason. I think that there's a tremendous amount of pressure on Gabe Kapler, and now with the addition of Harper, I mean, it's immense. And I just, I think he's up for the challenge. I think he's going to do well. But one of the storylines, once this thing kicks off, is going to be the amount of pressure that Gabe Kapler is under. You're 100% right. Um, and, and this is one of those situations where I think he's got to just let his team be its, be the team. I think this is where he's got to kind of take a slight step back from what he's used to. And this is going to be, going to be a real telling time for Gabe to see if he, can, if he can take himself out of the equation a little bit. And I don't mean that you don't you know don't manage at all. You still have to manage a game, right? But let's let's not let too much of what you're you know you've kind of preached here the first twelve months that you've been with the team get in the way. You have you have the talent in the lineup. It's the best lineup in the National League right now. Don't touch it. Can you say just that again? It, Can you just say it, that one more time? It's going to be the best lineup in the National League. 
It really is. I mean, it, I mean, I think that the Braves are close, right? And the Dodgers, it, you know, and Cubs can you can make an argument for the Cubs, but I I, I think that the Phillies Cubs stink, dude. <laughs> I think that there's guys on that team who are a little overrated. Kyle Schwarber, for example. Yeah, they suck. Um, I'm done with them. Well, you might be done with them, but I mean, you can't knock Rizzo. I mean, Rizzo's a hell of a player, yeah. and Chris, Chris Bryant has. Well, he, he, he had a down year. I think he's a good. I still think he's a really good player. Yeah, whatever. Baez was an MVP candidate last year. I still like Wilson Contreras. I mean, they, they got players. I mean, they got they got a nice lineup too. But the Phillies, I mean, arguably have the best lineup in the league. Just let them be. Let them be. And you know. Don't overdo it with the with the bullpen. That's the other thing. You know, I know you have to use your relievers. I understand it, but you don't have to manage games in April and May like it's October. <laughs> Be smart about it. You so know? if Aaron Nola is uh, throwing shutout baseball through five innings on opening day this season, they shouldn't <laughs> yank him after he's throwing like sixty-eight pitches. Is that what you're telling just, me? It's not just that. It's not just that. Like, don't feel the need to match up every pitcher in the bullpen like let a guy go with that is a fear of mine because he has yeah, the pieces in the bullpen you know like he, yeah, he has the arm so i i wonder if he's going to overdo it or did he learn something last year i hope that? so yeah. i hope so i mean that's so that's what you got to hope for and that's what we're, i think that's something that i will, will certainly be watching for um when i watch the phillies play this season is, is exactly how gabe uses that bullpen because we talked we i remember one of our very first podcasts back in you know april of last year and i think the, you know it was maybe it was early may the bullpen was actually pitching pretty well and you know you were talking about it and i said bob he's killing them <laughs> he's killing the bullpen there's no way that they could sustain this they just can't they're, they're gonna be dead armed later in the year and and i think that i think he hurt his own bullpen last year so yeah. i think he has to manage the the pitchers better and that, to me, is that that's 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 something that will show me that he learned something and, and he can improve upon what he does and that it's not about Gabe. It's more about the team. And if he does that, then I'll I'll slide more onto his side. Fair enough. I, I can't wait for that. I can't wait for you to be pro Gabe. <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever be pro Gabe, but I, I could sit there and tell you that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. He I, he did that right. He handled that right. Um. I did want to go back. We we kind of never got to it uh, w- with the Harper thing. Um, I, I did want to kind of look at that, look down the road, and you know this is something that's coming out on you know that I have do have coming out on the uh, on Crossing Broad. Um, it'll probably be published by the time you listen to this podcast, but put, it's coming out on Friday. Um, th- there is the inherent risk when you sign someone to a long term deal that it doesn't pan out and I was kind of a little bit surprised because I, I knew I, I took this stance pretty quickly when as soon as I found out it was a 13-year deal I took the stance right away I, you know we were talking in, in slack that um, boy that's that's a long contract and man they might struggle to deal with that contract down the road after once he hits like 35 right um, because they really will be paying him for five years in his late 30s um, two of those years at twenty six million a year, and three of those years at twenty two million a year. That, that's still a lot of money, no matter how you slice it. And even nine years from now, that's still going to be a lot of money. Okay. And I went back and I was trying to find like the richest contracts, and I put up a post that's going to go up tomorrow um, or Friday. And it, it it's uh, it, you'd be you'd be surprised at just how many of those big contracts 
either don't result in a championship or, uh, you know, if the player still plays well, or they've, you know, deteriorated into um, albatrosses because the player is nowhere close to being worth what he's what he's you know being paid and we can go through the litany of names they're all listed in my story tomorrow um obviously the the one that's going to stick out for everybody is albert Pujols. now yes Pujols signed his deal at 31 harper signing his at 26 glad you said that so i didn't have to yeah there is a there is a big difference there um nevertheless since he turned 35 Pujols has been a, a, a replacement level player. Prior the last three years, his WAR is zero, and he's being paid twenty five million dollars a year. So, and then if you look at other players who had, you know, I mean, yeah, Prince Fielder had the injury, but it was a career ending injury, and the and the uh, Texas Rangers end up paying him four years and ninety some million dollars for not playing at all. Um, you know, we all know what happened at the end of A Rod's tenure and, and with the Yankees. With the, I mean, yeah, he was suspended for a year, um, but even after he came back, was not as good a hitter. Um, and, and then you start looking at other players, maybe who didn't even uh, weren't even free agent signings, but were you know re-signed by their own team. A, a, you know, even even a guy like Joey Votto last year at thirty four. Still had a pretty good year, right? He hit 284, and his own base was over 400. But if you compare him compared to what he had done from ages 24 to 30 to 33, it was a huge drop off. And you're like, "Well, man, is he going to bounce back from that, or is now he getting too old?" You don't find guys, and I could I couldn't find any really um, guy who after the age of 35, at least a position player, maybe maybe a couple pitchers, but. Um, Guys who had big contracts and then after thirty five were were really productive. Yeah, so I think that this is I think that this is a valid concern, and I I would suspect that when we get to age thirty five of Bryce Harper, assuming that he's still a Philly, you know, I think that we may look at this and go like, well, they're they're not really getting the value anymore. You know, at thirty six, thirty seven, I think we might be saying like, yeah, we're paying this guy twenty two million dollars, and it's it's sort of over. He's sort of on the downside. I think that what you do, though, and I mean, I guess this is obvious, and I think you understand this, but I think that you pay up front and and you get that value now, and you hopefully put together a couple championship seasons, and then you kind of have to eat it at the end, and like that's sort of the way it works. The, the only other thing I'll say to that is we've talked a lot about the current CBA and how it expires after the 2021 season. You know, forget inflation. Like, I think, you know, I'm not going to sit here and and try to lecture you about inflation. I know you get that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, forget inflation for a minute. Just I wonder what the new CBA is going to look like and what free agent contracts are going to look like in, you know, 2022. And I wonder how the economics of the game are going to shift. And are we going to be looking at contracts and are we going to be looking at a higher salary ceiling where – you know that twenty-two million dollars. If you're a big market team, you kind of you're able to swallow it. Like we don't know what the the luxury tax threshold is going to be when we get that far down the road. We don't know what inflation is going to look like. We don't know what the economics of the game are going to look like. Now, if if it just kind of if it's like a 10-year jump like any other historical 10-year jump throughout the history of the league, yeah, it's not going to look great. But there are a lot of different factors at play here that I have a hard time predicting 13 years out. Right, and no, so absolutely. Like, and so, like, I know you said it's a good deal. Like, in your story, you say yeah. it's a good deal. I'm not knocking the deal. And I get that. I guess 
Yeah, and it's easy now in the moment to just say, screw it, who cares? Who gives a shit about 13 years from now? I mean, one day we will. But I don't know. I can't get overly concerned about that right now because at the end of the day, I look at a team that that's equipped to spend this, – this is the last time I'm ever going to say this, but stupid money. <laughs> can they can they swallow twenty two million dollars in you yeah. know whatever well, twenty what the hell year is this even sure twenty thirty is that what right. we're <laughs> I, I get it I get it but here's the, the I guess the point that I would like to make is this the Phillies have we know the Phillies have a lot of capital right I mean we know from their TV deal and everything else and you know they're able to spend three hundred and thirty million dollars today like it's nothing right okay so we know they have the capital and we know that they wanted to have some some you know flexibility within you know within their uh payroll so that they could go out and get other players if needed for this run with with Harper but I'm not thinking 13 years down the road I'm really I'm really not I start to think you know players start to drift a little bit sometimes at 32 33 so 34 what I'm saying is is that we could be sitting here in 8 years not 13 and saying, "Holy cow, is this a good enough? Con- is or what are we doing with this contract? Because now we have we have five, six more years of this, and it's just well, this is a big if, but it's just mediocre. If the Phillies win a World Series, if they win then it's one fine. World Series, I, that's what I, and that's what I wrote yeah. in this, at the, towards the end of the story. Yeah. If they win one World Series, you put it aside, just kind of like you did with Ryan Howard, right? So you know, Howard's last what three years here." Three and a half. Well, years. That, that was frustrating because that contract was signed before it even had to be, and it was also after they had won the World Series. So, right, you know, but yeah, yes, it was. For, yeah, yeah but know. but but it's the but you remember the feeling, right? Sure. You were like, oh, we're just stuck with this contract because, and the, the thing of it was probably because they had won. And they'd been back to the World Series, and they'd been back to the playoffs. And you're like, okay, well, we could still do this. We could still do this. We could still do this. And then it just kind of was like, oh, man, this contract's killing us. Well, you know what? The, part of the reason that the contract was killing you, though, is because the rest of the team sucked. You know, like, it wasn't like, oh, yeah. wow, if the Phillies didn't have this $25 million a no. year commitment to Ryan Howard, but they were, you know, solid in the rotation, if they were solid throughout the rest of the lineup. Like, the problem was is that the rest of the team was lacking – and there was that $25 million albatross, as you called it. Like, that was just symptomatic of the entire debacle that was the 2012 through 20, you know, 15 Phillies. You know what I'm saying? Like, if the Phillies were better prepared moving forward and they hadn't made the same mistake, like, the, the mistake they made with Ryan Howard was being overly sentimental. They did that five times over. Like, they made that same mistake over and over and over again. And I think that that exacerbated the problem of Ryan Howard's contract. You're, you're probably right. You're probably right. Um, David Schoenfield, a baseball writer for ESPN, uh, here's what he writes today. Here's a slightly different take. We're all focusing too much on the money and whether the Phillies paid too much. We don't know. The Albert Pujols contract looked great for the Angels at the time. The bigger issue, how good will Harper be from 2016 to 2018, which admittedly ignores his monster 2015 season. Harper ranked 22nd in the majors in uh, weighted runs created plus, according to Fangraphs, behind Matt Carpenter and Tommy Pham, among others. Of course, there's always the hope that he can come close to 2015 again. 
Are the Phillies betting on that? Or are they simply betting on eight seasons or so of Harper being a top 15 hitter in the game? Will they be happy if that's the case? What if he is already morphing into a player with, quote, old player skills, more walks, lower average, bad defense? The annual average value is low enough that the contract probably won't haunt the Phillies, but there's also a chance that they just gave the biggest contract in Major League Baseball history to a very good hitter, but not a dude who's one of the top 10 players in the game. How do you like that take? It's a fair take, except that I look at his 2017, and I know that he missed 51 games, but yeah. he, he had a 1.008 OPS yeah. in 2017. I mean, like the, the dude... Had a 5.95 slugging percentage, a 4.13 on base percentage. Like, yeah. this isn't a guy that just had one good season. Like, I, I don't know. Like, he's a flawed player. He's a flawed player. And Jesus, we're gonna pick him apart. You know, like we are going to pick him apart. I mean, you can play this back in May after he goes 0 for 4 and he's won for his last 27, and the Phillies are on a four-game losing streak. We're gonna be destroying him, and I he knows that. I think he knows what he's getting into. I hope he does. But, like, this is a good player. This is a potentially Hall of Fame player. Yeah, fair point, sure. But, yeah, he is ignoring his, his 2015 season when he was 22 years old. You know, like, this isn't like his 2015 season when he was 28. Like, this is a guy that was 22 years old. Like, there's a lot of guys that aren't playing Major League Baseball at 22 years old. So, like, I can't write off 2015 like a lot of people are willing to. And I also have to look at 2017 in which he was phenomenal. And as bad as he was last year, like, let's go through his splits. Let's take a look at what he did after the All-Star break. I mean... Well, you, you can go a, little bit bef- go a little bit before the All-Star break because I'm about to, about to read it off to you. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> because I, I know, or you, I knew you were going to go to this place. So on June 20th, he's hitting 209, right? Oof. June 20th, he's hitting 209. So for... T- Almost three months of the season because they started in the last week of March. So almost the first three months he hit 209. What, if he's hitting 209 on June 20th this year, what is this town doing? Going, oh, going absolutely bonkers, yeah. right? Bonkers. He needs to have that like 09 Raul Banyas story. Yeah. You know? So, but, but after June 20th, 89 games, so more than half the season, 89 games, hit 279, 426 on base, 944 OPS. 15 homers, 56 RBIs. I mean, that's a heck of a ha- heck of a half of a season. Yeah, it really is. I mean, and if if he's doing that, if he's if he's got a 944 on base percentage for you, I, what more can you? I mean, uh, uh, OPS for you. What more can you ask from the guy? Yeah. You know, I mean, that's that's yeah. I mean, that's in, this, in this supposedly down year, I mean, yeah. he finished with an 889 OPS. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, so yeah, I do think that there's some concern. Like, will he play to the value of his contract? I don't know. Maybe he might. You know, he may actually exceed it because he certainly has the capability of doing that. Sure. But, you know, I just think it's it's almost like we we do this thing in sports where a guy gets so much praise and you just get to the point where you're tired of, of heaping that praise on a guy or you're tired of, of talking about him, so you start to pick holes. You start to you poke and you poke and you poke, and you can, you can take any sample of any stretch and you can make it look bad. And I just think that – not that that's completely unfair, but this is a really good player. I mean, this guy's the real deal. Exactly. And he can have a down year, and he's going to hit – 
260. His OPS is going to be in the mid-800s, I think, and even a down year. I mean, I think you can you can pretty much safely lock in the floor of an 850, 860 OPS. And would that be underwhelming for $25 million a year after all this hype? Yeah, it would be. But, I mean, as a floor, I'll take that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. Um, by the way, you mentioned off the top, this is our th- – 34th episode mm-hmm. and isn't that ironic that our 34th episode occurs on the day that they signed Bryce Harper I don't think he's going to wear number 34 I would not expect him to I think that yeah. the the Roy Halladay aspect of things and I think that he's a guy like kind of looking for a fresh start right like yeah. we talked about this being like a legacy move for him I think yeah. that this is kind of like the I don't need to be number 34 this is a different era I, I could see him moving to a different number for for a multitude of reasons both personal and and because of Halliday, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a off the wall prediction. Mm-hmm. He wears number 28 in honor of his good friend and former Philly, Ooh. Jason Worth. Okay, all right. I'm just on board a, with that. I don't have like a counter guess to that. I'll just let <laughs> you, I'll just let you have that. I'm not gonna say Thanks. no. He's not. I <laughs> you know. Bob. I'm gonna go with 24. You know. <laughs> yeah. No. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I like I, that. and I say that because I think Velasquez changed his number this year to. 21. So I guess Jason Worth didn't call him back into October and say you can't go there. It sucks. Like yeah, that didn't know, happen. Right? Hey, yeah. Did you see Aubrey Huff? Yeah, I did. Yo, real quick though, like Bob Nightingale, like he, I, I, he took a lot of shit this offseason. season. Like he got it right. Like he had it right. Yeah. I know that he didn't know. It was sort of a guess. It was like you know deductive reasoning but good on him and and as much crap as like we all gave John Heyman and like we we did a whole podcast about John Heyman essentially and, and as annoying as he was throughout the course of the offseason like he broke it I mean he worked for that story I mean how many tweets did he put out on behalf of, of Scott Boris to, to break yeah. that story yeah. so you know like these guys at the end of the day like all's well that ends well you know yeah yeah exactly. and, and Aubrey Huff like what was that? Man? We're, I just we just passed midnight. It's twelve oh five. I've been. This is my third podcast of the day. Yeah. We're over an hour. Here's what I'll say about Arby Hoff. Fuck that guy. <laughs> and with that, <laughs> make sure that you check out Snow the Goalie, yeah, Crossing Broad gotta, FC. Yeah, just to, just 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 to kind of get before we get before we do the roundup of the of the other shows. Um, just so people know, in case they're like, well, what the hell are they talking about? Aubrey Huff, former Major League ball player, put out a tweet today um, basically just saying that, uh, holy cow, he's going to hit a bunch of home runs in that band box, but if he doesn't perform, the Philly fans are going to, you know, the pit, what I, he called them, what, assholes, I think he called Philly fans yeah. uh, in his tweet uh, are going to be all over him. Good luck with that. I mean, it was like, dude, like, are you kidding me? Like, you were some marginal player who played for like four teams and, you know, You've been out of the game for 10 years or whatever it is. Just shut up, man. He <laughs> tweeted that and it had like one like for an hour. And then some <laughs> Phillies fan found it. Now like it's, it blew up after the fact. Like that's how irrelevant that guy is. Yeah, and I then uh, it was Chuck Todd too from Meet the Press. He was like – he tweeted out some video about how, you know, Philly fans will never love you, Bryce. Like we loved you and uh, good luck and have fun with third place. Thanks, yeah. Chuck Todd. You yeah. Know. Exactly. Whatever, man. Exactly. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, you want to talk about the other podcasts? Yeah, sure. We got what? uh, Crossing Broad FC. Uh, That would be Phil Kaidel and Ross. Uh, We have, uh, what else do we have? Oh, it's always soccer in Philadelphia, right? That would be with uh, Kevin Kincaid and uh, 
I don't know. Did he just make a change in personnel on that show? Yeah, he has somebody different all yeah, the time. He recently yeah. he's had Matt DeGeorge. Okay, I that. cool. So, yeah, that's yeah. worth checking out if you're a soccer guy and you like the union. Uh, who, who I think they they, they kick off their season this uh-huh. weekend. I'm very excited. I have it circled I think it's, I on think my it's, calendar. I think it's tomorrow, as a matter uh, of fact. Uh, yeah. they, tomorrow or Saturday they play. Go crazy, folks. <laughs> uh, and then we have Snow the Goalie. You guys, man, like every week, we just have Bobby Clark. Yeah, how about that? What the right? hell? So we're, we're, Unparalleled we're not, we're access. If, if you're a Flyers fan in the city of Philadelphia and you're not listening to Snow the Goalie, I don't know what the hell you're doing. I yeah, really don't. I mean, we're you having, guys we're are just, fun. Yeah, you guys are just ripping it apart right now. Thanks, And man. then uh, you have a crossing broadcast with uh, Kevin, who's been on that a lot lately, and then Russ. Uh, and then Kyle and I actually did an emergency Bryce Harper podcast on crossing broadcast and, earlier. And... and and don't forget the newest and, podcast. Oh, and uh, we have Broadlines. Broadlines. Is that the one yes. you're talking about, or do we yes. have another new one? No, yeah. Broadlines. We have yeah. Broadlines, and that's actually going to drop for the first time next week. We're going to talk about the state of uh, legalized gambling in both New Jersey and in Pennsylvania. We kind of expect that to uh, to be going mobile in Pennsylvania sometime in July, it looks like, maybe the end of June. And uh, Kyle and myself are uh, hosting that, and we break that all down for you. We actually recorded that bad boy on Thursday, so look for that at the beginning of next week. That's all I got. You have anything else, Anthony? No, I'm, I'm all good. Everything's, right. everything's good, Bob. Very good. But, uh, good roundup. Good, good talk. And, yeah, good uh, stuff. Yeah, we'll have to start uh, jumping into this now more regularly. Now, spring training is going to be in full full bloom, and we have a championship contender in town, and uh, it's going to be a fun year. Yeah, we'll be back next week to uh, talk about Shane Robinson. All right, well, so we'll <laughs> see you then. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs>